0: Good morning, I'm Ira Hall, and a friend of Chris, back here in the United States in Maine. I'm the pastor of Beans Corner Baptist Church, the senior pastor, and I have been at Beans Corner for 15 years as as the senior pastor, and, and 10 years before that as the youth pastor. And I have been, through the course of this pandemic, I've been worshiping with you guys on most Sunday mornings, which for me is Saturday night. Uh, and I have found uh, your, your worship and the teaching of the Word to be such an encouragement to me. And so it's a privilege to be able to, to share with you uh, a message from God's Word, looking at grace, and looking at the, the joy of grace, and if you're anything like me, I grew up in the church. I grew up as a believer, and so often I got so focused on what was asked of me and what I needed to do, what, what God desired of me uh, to be, a, you know, as a young man, to be a good boy, to, to be a good Christian, to, to do all the things that Christians are supposed to do and not do the things Christians aren't supposed to do. And generally, I, I did pretty well. But when that's your mindset, you probably never feel like you're doing quite enough. You always feel like there probably is more you should have done. And and that's definitely been true of me. And then even as an adult, even as a pastor, it's so easy to get caught up in what you've done, what you need to do, what you have done. Either being proud of what you've done or upset with what you haven't done. And as you do that, it can affect how much you view and how much you think about and how much you experience the grace of God. So I want to look at a passage this morning that may be very, very familiar to many of you is to me. We call it the parable of the prodigal son or the story of the prodigal son. And we find it in Luke 15 verses 11 through 32. And if you would like to look there, let's look at it together. Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he, Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything... A severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger i will get up and go to my father and i will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and against your sight and in your sight i am no longer worthy to be called your son make me as one of your hired men so he got up and came to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him And felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you and have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. We know this story, most of us, many of us. We may have heard this from a child that was in my, my childhood Bible, my little children's Bible. And as I said, we, we call this the, the story of the prodigal son. But really, that's, that's not the Bible's name for it. That's our name for it. And I think it's an inaccurate name. The prodigal son that we like to focus on is not the main character in the story. The story, it tells us, looking at the beginning and the end of the story. What does it begin with? A man had two sons. And the last words of the story is that man speaking. The man is the main character. A man with two sons is the center of the story. And now let's look at the two sons, because most of the time we spend most of our time on one. And of course, the first son is the one we focus on, and we most often like to see ourselves in his place. We analyze him, we study him, we go through every last step of his story, of his trajectory. Terrible rebellion, he was totally estranged, he was ungrateful, he hit bottom. And then he returned and repented. And we focus on his sorrow and repentance. But you notice that his last words, the last time we hear from the son is in verse 21. Still 11 more verses to go. The story is only half over when the younger son kind of exits the story for the most part. Then we have the father. Well, he felt compassion. He ran to him. He embraced him. And he kissed him before the confession. Before the younger son had repented. I mean, he'd come home, but he hadn't said anything yet. And the father was already kissing him. And hugging him. Before he said anything. Now, the second son, we don't touch on as often or as much. He's almost an afterthought at times. He's angry, he's unwilling to celebrate, he feels unappreciated for his obedience, and his desire, apparently, by what he says in verse 29 there, is he wants to go celebrate with his friends. And of course, we oftentimes make the climax of the story, the son waking up and coming home. But the story really ends in verse 31 and 32 after we've heard from both boys and we return to the main character, the father, who says, I am so thankful. Verse 31, My, I am thankful that my older son is with me. And verse 32, And I am celebrating that now my younger son is with me. And the father consistently celebrates and is thankful for The withness, if I can say that. The fact that his sons are with him. To the older son, you have been with me, and as as you share everything, and now your younger brother is here. I think the reason we so easily cast ourselves as the younger son is because in one sense, we're all the younger son, right? In one sense, we're all in need of repentance all we like sheep have gone astray every one of us has turned away so in one sense all the human race is the younger son but that's not the construction of this parable that's not what jesus is referencing here because in the construction of this parable jesus means that both sons are the human race In fact, this is the third of three parables. Sometimes we call this the lost and found part of the Bible because Jesus tells three stories. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and then we say, and the lost son. But this is about two sons and a dad. So we have to go back to why did Jesus tell this story? Chapter 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him, Jesus, to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, and then he goes into the three parables, and the main character in all three parables, the main character of the lost sheep isn't the lost sheep, it's the shepherd who's excited to be reunited with a sheep. The lost coin, the main character, is not the coin. The lost character is the woman who lost and is excited to regain, to have the coin back. And the third story is about a father who rejoices in the presence of his two sons and is excited that one of them is back. But in each case, the focus isn't on what got lost, it's on what got found. On who who found it, rather. Because This is really, this whole point, Jesus' whole point is to explain the heart of God, not the heart of man. And we so often focus on our hearts. But this is about God's heart. This is about God's joy. This is about why he's willing to eat with these people. Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. The desire of God for his people and the desire of God to bring his people back to him. And so we are the two sons, we're not just the younger son, we're not just the prodigal. And many of us, like me, who grew up in the church, who are good people, we actually, we're like the scribes and Pharisees, we are more likely to actually be in the role of the older son. Jesus, I followed every command, I've I've done it all right, I've been a good Christian, I've done the, the good things. Now, what are you going to do for me? And God, you you really haven't done enough. When can I go have fun with my friends? This guy got to go out and party. And I don't get to party because good Christians don't party. When do I get my goodness? And of course, that mistakes it. See, the father's focus is not on the disobedience of the younger son. And his focus is not on the obedience of the older son. Both sons speak in the same language. This is what I've done. One with shame and one with pride. Look at what I've done, they both say. And the father in both cases says it's not about what you've done. I have given you my riches and you are with me. That's his message to both boys. And that's Jesus trying to tell us about the Father because that's Jesus' purpose, to teach us about God. No one has seen God the Father in time, but His Son, He's explained Him to us. They said, show us the Father. Jesus said, look right here, it's me. The Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father because Jesus is there to teach us the heart of God. Jesus is there to show us that God's heart is to be with us by bringing us to Him through His shed blood on the cross. And so the father's focus is on having his sons with him. And I think that's why it's so important to know that the climax of the story is those last two verses. You have been with me, and now your brother is with me as well, and that is why we will celebrate. I call this the joy of grace. When it's focused on us, either how good we were or how bad we are, that's... That doesn't lead us to grace. Because then we're focused on what we've done. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift. Grace focuses us, focuses us on the Father. Not on ourselves. Because we have been saved by God's work, not by ours. And that should fill us with joy because the pressure's off. Because we have a God that is not demanding, but a God that is giving, and our whole lives become responses to grace. Our whole lives become motivated by the joy that He wants us, and that He died for us, and that He bought and paid for us, and redeemed us by His blood, by His death. That fills us with joy. What does Jesus say to his disciples? I'm going to go, but I'm going to get a place ready. And I'm going to come back for you. Why? So that where I am, there you may also be. And what does it say in Thessalonians? And therefore, we, we shall not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with him always. With him. Emmanuel, God with us and us with God. There is the joy of grace. And so often we forfeit that. Either by being so concerned with what we've done wrong. Or a little too focused on what we've done right. God, look how faithful I've been. Why have you allowed this? Look how faithful I've been. Things aren't bad, but shouldn't things be better? God, where's my fatted calf? So that I may go celebrate with my friends. When we fall into what I call older son mode, we forfeit a a lot of joy. And we end up like him, angry, refusing to go in, staying outside and resentful. because we were so good and we were so faithful. And we're too aware of that fact. And we forget the love and the grace of the Father. I don't know if if that's something you struggle with. It's something that is a constant hazard in my own heart as a pastor. I've dedicated my life, my career to serving God through the church. It requires you to give up a lot. And the minute I become aware of my goodness, earthly speaking, of my obedience, and Lord, no commandment of yours have I neglected or have I refused. Suddenly, serving serving Jesus, serving God... Walking with Him each day is not a joy. It's a weight. I begin to question what my yoke is easy and my burden is light means because it it feels heavy. Because it's not about what He's done, it's because of what I've done. So I want to encourage you Are you experiencing the joy of God's grace? Do each day you wake up and whether you are the younger son or the older son in how you feel about your performance graciously oblivious to your worthiness or unworthiness and said graciously joyful that the Father has loved you that He sent His Son to die for you and that all that He has is yours and that you are with Him. And that someday we will, in a tangible way that we don't have quite yet, we will experience that withness completely. Now we see, as through a glass darkly, a dirty window. But then face to face, now we know in part, then we will know in full as we are fully known. Ah, there is the final realization of the joy that is to come. But I may live in that joy today. And as we face coronavirus, as we face economic issues, as we face even just the tension in society to face it with the joy of a God that says you are with me and I am with you Ah, oh, I have to hold on to that in very deliberate ways I hope that you can do the same I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. Maybe challenge your thinking a little. I thank you for the privilege. I thank Chris for the privilege of of sharing with you. I'm so thankful for your church. And I'm thankful for the church of God. That means that although I am standing in the fall while you go into spring, as the weather grows cold here, as it grows warm here, as we're separated by a hemisphere, an equator, and an ocean, and a bunch of time zones that we are one, and I can be with you even this way. So, God bless. Thank you for letting me share with you. Thank you for letting me worship with you and fellowship with you each week. Thank you for being my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I look forward to one day, if not here, there, meeting many of you.